Forget your former managers, ignore the ex-pros. As football fans, we all know the real experts drink in pubs. It's funny, it's argumentative, and often it's just plain wrong. Welcome to the Foss Arms Public House and welcome to the Leicester City Pubcast. Hello everyone, welcome to a strangely content Foss Arms this evening and we are coming off a losing weekend for Leicester City of course with that 2-0 reverse against Man City but uh, things are not as bad as they look on paper as the three of us will discuss and by the three of us of course mean myself, Tim and Killer, good evening. Good evening Tim. And Norm, good evening. Hi Tim. Thank you for bearing with us for two weeks while we had the tedious and tiresome international break that we all despise as uh, football fans frankly don't we? but at least England did all right didn't they so um but one slightly slightly sad thing for the for the club happened uh, while we're away and we've not had a chance to touch on it yet and that was the the passing away of the legend that was Frank Worthington I just thought we'd very very briefly mention him how about you two when you started going down to the club? But I, my first match was when I was age seven, which was actually the, the year um, that he moved on from the club. So I can't quite re- remember whether I saw Frank Worthington play for us or not, but I'm going to say I did because I want to have done. And uh, <laughs> it was, there's just some tremendous stories about him, aren't there? That, the, the fact that his first training session at Leicester, he actually turned up in a pink Mustang, which I love that. I mean, the, the absolute confidence of it. Um, and, and stepped out apparently in all the garb that he would become famous to wear, all, the, all of his Elvis gear and all of that stuff. And whilst he played for loads and loads of clubs, it's absolutely unequivocal that he had his main, main years at, at Leicester, joining in August 1972. And he actually cost, I guess how much he cost us you two? Any ideas? I'm going to go 100 grand. Oh, I'm going to go 40 grand. 800. Back in those days. 800? 800? Yeah. 800,000? Yeah. You're going to need to Google that, Tim, aren't you, to check it? No, I'm, I'm pretty, I've lifted that off the club website. I've lifted that off the club website. I'm reading it here. Are you sure it wasn't 800 pounds? <laughs> I don't think so. It, I did think it was an extraordinary amount. Ah, we can look at that. Someone will tell us it's wrong. They usually do with our stuff. <laughs> so, but he, he, well, yeah, he played, he, he, that's what we're renowned for. <laughs> <laughs> he played in a really fantastic Leicester City side, 250 games, 78 goals. So really, really good return. But it was the stories around him that um, that really made the headlines. And I had a, um, a mate of mine contact me, actually, who listens to the podcast despite being a Leeds fan. And he'd, uh, he'd told a story, because he actually joined Leeds. He'd, he was out um, walking his dog, bumped into the Leeds manager, who at the time, 1982, was Alan Clark. There's a fantastic conversation during during which my mate Mark said, oh, you've got to sign Worthington. And um, Alan Clark said to him, how old is he? And my mate goes, 32. And he goes, no, no, the dog. He's talking about the dogs that my mate's walking. So he, he then uh, eventually, however, did sign Frank Worthington for Leeds. So my mate Mark claiming the credit for that. And the other thing that he's most famous for was his goal. You must have tell me you've looked at on YouTube in the Bolton last uh, couple. The Bolton goal, yeah. It's a shame it wasn't for us, isn't it? But the Bolton goal flicked it over Terry Butcher's head after tapping it up twice in there already, 
over his head and into the corner of the net. If you haven't seen it, have a look. Absolutely brilliant. He was just flamboyant, great character, and um, really, really proud to have had him associated with our club. I met him. Did you know that, you two? No. He played golf with played him, with, Back in my my previous life, on a corporate golf day, and uh, there was everyone got a got a uh, a celebrity to play with their group, and I knew Frank Worthington was there. I was desperate, des- please let it be Frank Worthington. I got Tony Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> but I did get to talk to Frank Worthington that evening, and I actually I actually tricked the great man because I. I wrote out on a piece of paper, Tim, you are without a doubt the greatest golfer that's ever been seen. Folded it over and then asked Frank to sign. He signed this, please, Frank, for me. And he did sign it. And I've still got it in my, as a treasured item. I'm really glad I've got that now. But he was very giving with his chat. He must have had loads of losers like me rocking up to him going, oh, Frank, you know, tell us your stories. And he had all the patience in the world. His wife was rolling her eyes while he was telling me stories heard of a million times, but a really, really great character. I don't, did you guys see him play at all? I, I've got to say, I didn't see him play. A couple of points that I will make that since his passing, I don't know why this story eluded me, but I, I was totally, totally oblivious to the fact that he was going to sign on for Liverpool. The transfer yeah. fee and everything agreed, and his blood pressure was too high. Which, let's be honest, could probably only be down to one thing, which is which is just incredible. I just love the idea that he's going to a medical at Liverpool, and the night before he's been on the lash. So I thought I thought that was brilliant. And the other thing is, Tim, unfortunately, the eight hundred gram mate is hopelessly, hopelessly inaccurate. It was oh, you've a, been on Google, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, no, I've had to because you know when you look at for something and you go, well. How how could that be the case? If yeah, Trevor Francis, yeah, it was a hundred grand, Tim. So you were close. All right, you, well, you were close. What you're saying is your guess was closer. <laughs> Fair In fact, I said a hundred grand, didn't I? You did, you did. Oh wow! In fact, Norms was closer, saying forty. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to the club on that one. I did lift that off the website, but there we go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, really, really sad. But uh, but I think we'll be we'll be lovingly remembered by all foxes. Yeah. So we're, th- we're thinking yeah. of you, thinking Absol- of you, Frank. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a couple of follow ups from two weeks ago. We were talking about the fantastic hat tricks. A couple of um, guys have contacted us. Gaz Donahue has said Ewan Roberts hat trick against Derby should have been in there. Of course it should. Yeah, fantastic hat trick. Um, and uh, the other one, brilliantly, also against Derby, was Ian Marshall. Yes. So two two hat tricks against the sheep that we missed. That was not that was shocking, really. Let's get on with uh, let's get on with the current day then, Norm and a, a reverse against Man City. Yeah, Man City. They are just relentless, aren't they? Um, they, you know, they're just like those people that just go on and on and on and on about things until they get their own way. They really wind you up and eventually you just think, oh, for God's sake, yeah, just just, just have it. And I just got that, I just get that feeling that that's just what they're like. It just drives me mad. But do you know what? Before the game, despite all that, and it's a testament to how far we have come as a club, I was genuinely really, really looking forward to this game. And, you know, quite, quite fancied our chances, but... What what this match really showed me is there is a bit of a gulf between Man City and the rest, and not just in the Premier League, but in Europe. But also that to have any chance at all, 
every player does need to be on their A game. And I don't think we were that bad at all. I just think we were up against a sensational machine and we weren't at our best. And you've just got to be there. I mean, Tielemans was just off the pace a little bit. His passes weren't quite finding the the place. Um, defensively, we're great. I really, you know, I think defensively we put in a really good shift and it's testament to how good they were by how few chances Man City had in that first half. Maybe a little lucky with their disallowed goal, but, it, you know, let's be fair, it was offside. But um, so defensively great, but just didn't create anything really. And I think I just found that on the day a little bit disappointing, certainly in the first half. I just thought, yeah, I would have liked to have seen us do a little bit more. You know, second half, yeah, better. Um, dis- a bit disappointed with all Brighton, I think. I don't want to blame him. He's been sensational recently. But I think that defensively, he does struggle a little bit against really good opposition. Um, and that, I think that's something that moving forward just needs to be considered. It might have been a better idea to have played Ricardo. You know, hindsight, great. Um, but, you know, nice goal by Mendy. I think when Madders came on and Ricardo, we did look better. Madison clearly bothered them. And I just wonder whether had he started. I don't understand why he didn't. I'm not complaining there, but he did just give them something to think about. Um, and, you know, just sort of started thinking, you know, maybe, you know, we had a couple of chances and obviously we had one late on when they'd scored their second. But, and I don't want to like miss their second goal at all, but just talking about us a little bit, I think. We did enough to probably just nick a goal and could have made it interesting towards the end. But De Bruyne, or De Bruyne, as um, Carragher likes to call him, um, I mean, I mean that is, apart from Yuri's through ball against Brighton that um, Ian Asho scored, that has got to be the, that's the best through ball I've seen for years. I mean, there's nothing you can do as a club against that. You know, you've got to hold your hands up and say, against any team, they would have scored from that ball. So, you know what, I've come away disappointed, but the results over the weekend haven't been horrendous. Not been 100% great, but actually that was a, a game, the reality was we were going to lose. It was, you know, I'm always hopeful that we're going to do better. But given that um, Spurs and Chelsea particularly, you know, lost, lost points against teams they would expect to beat. I think all in all, we come away from the weekend in a better position than, than many of us would probably have ever have hoped. So, you know what? Fair enough. Well played, Leicester. Unlucky. Man City. Quadruple could be on. I just hope we don't get them in the cup final if we're lucky enough to make it. I'm hoping that Chelsea can just do the business because uh, I don't really fancy Man City in the FA Cup. Well, killer. Norm has mentioned the other results, and I—that's why I mentioned it was a strangely content Foss Arms this evening. Because if I'd have said to you, "All right, we're going to lose to Man City," bit of a free hit anyway, no points there. But Chelsea won't get any points against West Brom of all people. Spurs will only get one point against Newcastle of all people, and Everton will only get one point against Palace of all people. And remains to be seen what West Ham do. I think. You'd have uh, snapped my hand off for that, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely snap your hand off. And just to go back to the points that Norn's making, I completely agree with him. Man City are that good now that the reality of it is if they turn up in the mood, 
and they play well, they're going to beat you. End of story. And all I would say is I've been supporting Leicester since I was eight years of age. And I've seen us take some terrible spankings. You know, I've seen us concede six against Man U, six against Villa, six against Leeds, six against Spurs. And these were all Leicester teams that were wobbling at the time. This isn't a wobbling Leicester team. This is a very good Leicester team. And even though we've got, we've had some poor results at home, this is a Leicester team that can give most teams a run for their money. That's the best performance I've ever seen on our on our pitch. That I just thought they were fantastic. So strong all the way through. As I said to one of my mates afterwards, the way Leicester City are run as a football club is actually very similar to Manchester City in a lot of ways. Good coach. I don't know if you've noticed that there's the very, very little controversy comes out of Man City, a little bit like Leicester. Great training facilities. They're looking to bring young players on. The difference is everything they do has got a zero on the end of it compared with us. They, you know, they're just bigger, yeah. better, more established football club. And when they beat you as comprehensively and play as well as that, you just got to put your hands up. Go back to your point, Tim. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It could have been an horrendous weekend. It could have all gone against us. And it didn't. So you've just got to turn around. I think Norm used the phrase free swing. And I would totally agree with that. I know we all, a little bit bravado, thought that Leicester could do a job on them. But uh, to be honest, as soon as I saw the team, I thought, oh, it's rather hoping John Stones was going to be playing. And when he wasn't, I got absolutely <laughs> rock solid back four. I thought to myself, this is this is gonna this is gonna be tough. Having said that, I don't know about you guys. I looked at Aguero and Jesus and thought that's a little bit gung ho with Pep to play both of those guys. Mm. Is that gonna give us a little bit yeah. of room? <laughs> mm. And some of the stats, of course, as the game was being played, it was horrendous, wasn't it? I mean, there was there was one point where where Manchester City had had fifty six passes and we had had zero. It was like, oh my, Is that right? yeah, oh it was, it was men against boys stuff at time. This is a world, world-class team. Will they win the quadruple? I don't know. I doubt it. But it's still six to one to win it, you know, so the bookmakers seem to suggest they're going to come unstuck on something, but the domestic treble, it looks really strong for them. And again, just to, just to echo Norm's point, I really, I mean, we've got to beat Southampton. I'm going to give them a lot of respect to watch them play against Burnley at the weekend. I thought them, they came back very, very strongly. So they're going to be a, they're going to be a, a good opponent. But please, Man City in the FA Cup final could make us look really daft. And I, I'm, I'm like Norm. I'm just, I'm hoping that, uh, that Chelsea will, will just park the bus, park everything, take it to a penalty shootout, win on a penalty shootout. We'll take them at Wembley in the final then. Mm. And we've mentioned a few of our competitors, Norm, just, just to finish on this point. But just two we haven't mentioned. Should we be a little bit worried about West Ham and Liverpool? Um, well, you, you can't ignore West Ham just because they they can get the closest to us with their games in hand and the fact we're playing them next week. Although um, I do understand that Rice is probably going to be out. So that's a... That's a, a bonus, but I suppose what the way we've got to look about next week against West Ham is that you, you, if we can win that game, that almost puts them out of the race. Liverpool do concern me. I think they've got. We looked at the runnings a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And I don't think their runnings that that challenging. And they are the kind of team that if they get on song, they could win all their remaining games. You know that 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 would just be typical Liverpool. Um, but I, I think we've probably got to think look at teams like Chelsea who are dropping points as well. So, 
you know, we've still got, you know, we've got a five-point gap on Chelsea. If West Ham win tonight, okay, we'll be back down to, you know, four points from fourth. But we've still got a five-point gap on the team in fifth. So, if we do our thing right, we'll be okay. We've got some good games coming up that are winnable. And it's in our hands. Let's let's make sure it remains in our hands. Um, we are, of course, Leicester. And we want to also take the opportunity to say a big well done to... The other Leicester, Leicester City women's team, who really, by the way, if you followed that story, Jonathan Morgan and the team there done an absolutely brilliant job, who at the weekend got promoted from the Women's Championship into the Women's Super League. So well done there. And I thought, hold on a minute, we have this sporting capital thing going on in our head sometimes. Had a quick look. We're top of the Basketball League. We're top of the Women's Basketball League. And I'll tell you what, if we could enter the boat race in Grand National, we'd probably win them as a city as well. So things aren't too bad at all. Right, Killer, you've been thinking about some legends who've graced our club, have you not? In the spirit of Frank Yeah, Worthington. absolutely. Very much in the spirit of Frank Worthington, actually. I just want to share with all of our listeners a story that I was told many, many years ago and really did, really did make me smile. I'm going to take you back. It's Leicester City versus Chelsea. It's away at Stamford Bridge. And it's an, an era, really, where the professionalism of the game was just starting to get ramped up a little bit. We were just moving away from the Tony Adams, Paul Merson, Ray Parler, 10 pints of beer the night before a game to moving towards something a little bit more professional. And a lot of people that was around the game at the time said, actually, it was the, it was the Italian influence at Chelsea that started to started to change the dynamic of what a professional footballer, how they should act, how they should behave, how they should really just 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 behave and perform like an athlete. And uh, this particular story was uh, was told by a friend of mine who was at the game, and he was really really close. In those days, you used to actually get the seats were at the side of the pitch at Stamford Bridge, and he was really really close to the dugout, and. As the second half started, Gianluca Viali was a Chelsea sub. And he said he was just doing just a nice gentle warm-up, which then progressed into Pilates, full sort of yoga-style stretching. He said it was just a fascination. They were actually watching him stretching rather than watching the game, which I think we were miserably losing at the time. But it was just... it was just, This was a guy that if he was going to approach the field of play, was going to do so just properly warmed up, supple, just doing all of these really exotic stretching exercises. Meanwhile, Martin O'Neill turns round to one Ian Marshall, a, a player, to be fair, not known for his professionalism, it has to be said, you know, he used to, Trevor used to always walk on the pitch with his socks sort of just half pulled up and always looked like he just put a fag out, which according to Martin O'Neill, he normally just had. Yeah. O'Neill had instructed Marshall to go and get warmed up. And at that stage, apparently Marshall ran down the touchline, flicked the corner flag, ran back, turned around to O'Neill and went, Ready. <laughs> Ian Marshall, absolute legend for the club. And don't forget with Ian Marshall, we've, we've, we've touched on his hat-trick against Derby. Ian Marshall was one of those very, very rare players that could play centre-back and did very competently and play 
and play up front. Mm. He was he was very underrated, yeah. wasn't he? He was a very good player for us, you know, and he was he, he was always good for a goal. I mean, he scored against um Atletico Madrid in the UEFA Cup, didn't he? And you know, away from home. He's he was he was brilliant, you know, it really was. And obviously a very, very amusing guy. About five well. years ago, I was in a I was in a pub in town when you could drink in pubs. And uh <laughs> and he walked into the pub with Steve Walsh. And uh, obviously, you know, it's quite a thing to have those two both in there having a drink at the same time. And me and my mate were in the were in the toilet as you do, standing at the urinal without giving too much detail. And and Marshall walked in and stood next to us in the, the, the urinal and I sort of said hello to him. Turn turn around to my mate and said, "I said what a what a privilege this is having a being in a pub with a Leicester City legend." Looked across at Marshall. He looked at me back and smiled and went, "Have you seen him? Steve Walsh is at the bar." <laughs> did you actually did you actually say yeah, that? Yeah. And he just <laughs> burst into he just burst into laughter. Just brilliant. <laughs> brilliant effort. Superb. <laughs> That's a great oh. The other story about him is, isn't it, given that big one going so when he was you know, his star was really in the ascendant at Leicester, but coming towards the end of his contract and apparently said to all the team, and you know, he had his contract negotiation with O'Neill and he was going to go in and get another three-year contract and this much money, blah, blah, blah. Walked back out with a month-to-month. -month. <laughs> <laughs> no nonsense from O'Neill, who, who had him down to a T, didn't yeah. he? But, but again, br you know, by the way, what brilliant management of, uh, by Martin O'Neill of a player like that. Exactly. Super. Yeah. Great stuff. So we've had our on-running show uh, which has been dilemmas that's been rather popular with some of you guys out there. And we've come up with another set of dilemmas to uh, to tease each other with this evening. And we are looking with, a, with one eye on the summer and the idea that Leicester do unfortunately tend to sell one player each summer. That's been the, that's been the way for the last, last few years. And wondering and hoping that, that that's not going to be the case. But if it were, which player may it be? So we've divided this into sections and I'm going to start off by asking Norman Killer if we had to get rid of a fullback, which of the three following fullbacks would it be? So Norm, I'll come to you first with this one. So okay. James Justin, Ricardo Pereira or Timothy Castagna? And you have to give a rationale as well, clearly. Oh, obviously. Um, it, well, I absolutely would not get rid of James Justin. You know, he's young, he's been sensational, he was sensational up until his injury. He can only get better and better and better. So for me, he, he's off the table. So I've got to make a choice between Ricardo and Castagna. And given that at the beginning of the season, I was sort of suggesting Ricardo was probably as good as Trent Alexander-Arnold, and that'll probably be proved right, actually, given Alexander-Arnold's form at the moment. But... <sighs> It's going to be very difficult for me to say this, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to sell Ricardo Ooh. because I think Justin fits in his position better, and Castagna's better on the left than either of those two. So I am going to. I know it sounds it does sound ridiculous. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I am going to. Go, I've got to go for. I'm going to go for Ricardo because of that. Justin in Justin on the right, Castagna on the left. That's my choice. Before I come into why you're wrong, let's hear killers. Do, do you know what? I'm not going to shot you here, and I agree with Norm. No, right. right. I just, just, I'm not just, having this. Just right. go on. What's your record? Okay, well, the first person I would keep would be would be Justin, 
because he has, as, as Norm said, prior to his injury, was the best player. And it just looks like he could end up getting a 100 caps for England. Absolutely sensational. So now you're down to Castagna, who I think who, who I think does look very solid, and Pereira. Look, I said, I said, I think most Leicester City fans, I actually believe that Ricardo Pereira was the second best fullback in the league. But I'll tell you something for nothing, folks, and this is a horrible thing to say. He's not looked anywhere near that form after this injury. And what does worry, and don't get me wrong, and I hope and pray gets back to that level. But what does worry me is he won't be the first footballer to sustain a serious injury like he had and never hit that form again. And for that reason, oh. and we aren't just talking inches, because I really, it really pained me to say get rid of Timothy Castagna because I think he's an excellent player. He's absolutely rapid, really good defender and stuff. I'm with Norm on this one. Just Pereira, yeah, he'd have to go. Well, I think that Timothy Castagna is an outstanding fullback. But unfortunately, at our club, outstanding is the lowest form of fullback you can be. <laughs> and I just think the other two, I mean, I'm, I'm both with you on Justin, but I suppose where, I, where I'll come back at you is that I, I think that for me, Ricardo was uh, last year had the season Justin was having this year. And I take your point, Killer, but I don't think that injury is proven yet. And I just think they've both got more stretch than what I've seen from Castagna, who... I, I do think is a terrific player, but I'm not sure he's falling into the, you know, we were talking about Justin earlier in the season, weren't we? And his ex-manager saying link with Real Madrid, link with Barcelona. I, th I think with a, with a normal Pereira, you'd, you'd probably be having that same sort of conversation. I've not seen that with Castagna. Excellent as he is. Uh, the reason you're wrong, Tim, is because me and Killer are both right. Um, but, Justin and Ricardo are probably just a bit similar, and I think you. I think Castagna is a, an excellent defender, and I wonder whether, as a defender, he's possibly as good as, if not better than both of those. So maybe having one that's maybe a little more solid, even though he doesn't quite offer the, the same coming forward. That's that's where I was coming from as well. All right then, Norma, what have you got for us in terms of midfielders? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to come to Killer first with this one. The three midfielders that I'm going to th throw in for a, who's going to get sold is uh, Indeedy, good old Yuri Tillemans, and James Madison. I think this is easier than the fullback one. That was when, when, when I initially looked at this, I thought to myself, this is the, the, the rationale for this, I think, breaks this down quite nicely. Best holding midfielder in the country stays at the club. If any of you two say Wilfred Ndidi's got to go, by the way, this will be my last po po podcast. <laughs> just a man, just, just a man. A, a, slightly, a slightly North Korean tint <laughs> yeah. envelops the podcast. Yeah. I would suggest tempting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been an altogether better show with more listeners. <laughs> for the sake for the sake of upsetting one footballer. <laughs> okay. Okay. Indeed, indeed he stays. Then I've just got to say, I think the heartbeat of that Leicester City central midfield is Yuri Tillemans. I just think it would be at 
it would be preposterous for him to leave, especially the potential. James Madison, look, great footballer. Great footballer, we know that. We also know he's tinged with inconsistency. One thing that does worry me is this injury record of his. Really is starting to worry me. He's just picking up knot after knot, niggle after niggle, uh, and we're just not really getting the game time off him. So a little bit easier. It still choked me to see him leave, James Madison. Well, interesting, Killer, because as you know, we had this discussion earlier in the season about Madders versus Yuri, and I was a, a big defender of Madders. And my, my logic there was was the flair and the fact that I thought Yuri can be a bit lazy at times. And I, I think I said two weeks ago, I really feel that has completely changed and that he's been the guy that's led us through this. And I think, as, you, as you're mentioning, unfortunately, you know, we, we've started to see a way of playing thanks to Kelechi without without Madison and I you know, haven't haven't lost any of my admiration for Madison but I suppose one way of of sort of supporting this point is looking at the England situation and I think at the start of this season there were, there was a handful of midfielders one the Foden Grealish Mount Madison probably not a lot to choose between them you'd have perhaps had Foden at the top of that pile at the time I think now most people would say Madison is not going to the Euros. And 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 that's not really particularly because of anything that he's done in, um, on the pitch that's that's not been great. Because in patches this season, he's been fantastic. But he has been so injured. And I, I do worry for him career-wise now that you know, he's a player that's going to pick up injuries, really going to hamper what could be a fantastic career. So I'm going to agree with you on that. And well, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to say, and I'm going to tell you why you're both wrong, just to make the show more interesting. But I'm afraid I can't. Um, I well, Killer particularly echoed my sentiments exactly. I indeed, for me, was he is for, for all the reasons Killer said should stay. Tielemans the same, absolutely. And Tim, you added the fact he's not as lazy anymore. He's he, he has become the complete midfielder. Um, Madison, I, I thought he made us look better when he came on yesterday against Man City. I thought he's the kind of player that teams worry about a little bit. But you're right. I think he's the one that's replaceable. And I think he is inconsistent and he, he is injury prone. So, yeah, we're all in agreement in, in, on that one. So, Madders, uh, thank you very much. But you you are allowed to leave for a lot of money, though. I wonder where he'd go. That's for another day. Oh. I wonder what level he'd go to now. This is just back, a rhetorical back to, question. Back there. to Norwich. That's very good. Oh dear, <laughs> let's not go there. Go on then, killer. All right, strikers. let's do strikers, and I'm going to put this one to Tim first. All right, so one of the three to leave: Jamie Vardy, Kalichi Iannaccio, or Harvey Barnes. Well, obviously, anyone who ever says anything bad about Vardy, I'm down their throat immediately. So Vardy can never leave the football club. Ever. That's just totally non-negotiable, whatever age he is. He'll be like the Birch. He'll be there, he'll be there for the rest of his life. I'm going for Kelechi. I'm um I think he's I'm quite balanced on Kelechi, actually. I know he's you know, there's been the, the whole leap to Kelechi's the new save. He's been absolutely brilliant, but he's taken four years to get there. And at the moment, this could be the most wonderful, beautiful flash in the pan. And I, I'm not sure that it isn't yet. And that's the reason that I'm going with Kelechi because I think Barnes, fantastic. His improvement is superb. And Vardy is Mr. Leicester City. Okay, Norm. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, very well. Very well said, Tim. Um, out of those three, Harvey Barnes will definitely stay. He's young, got so much um, development to 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 go. He he's an absolute like like Indeedy um, and Justin on the previous two. Harvey Barnes is my must 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 keep. Jamie Vardy is always kind of a must keep, but he is he is older, and oh, where's this going? Oh, I'm having kids. Uh, no, I'm, what, what, I, but, I there's a resignation table in this There's another resignation. Well, I'm going to try and make another one. Try and, no, no, we're not going to be doing the show on his own next week. Got, got a, oh, God, God help us. Um, I'm not. I have got to see Ian, um, Ian Acho be allowed to leave but mainly because Vardy has still got two more years in him at least and Ian Acho, like you alluded to Tim we just don't quite know which way he's going so he he's he's in reality way down the pecking order on that so Vardy and Barnes have got to stay and Ian Acho, yeah I'd hate to see him at another club prove us all wrong but yeah that, that, that's my choice, Ian Acho. As yeah, well. okay. I'm going to agree with you two guys, uh, to be honest, for all the reasons. I just, I could never, ever say, mutter the words, Jamie Vardy should leave Leicester City. It's just, it's never going to happen. They can be, they could literally be bringing him on in a little wheelchair and I'd still go, come on. He's, he, he can still get his head on stuff, though. He's still got the yeah. pace. Still, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's he, You're quite right, Tim. He's Mr. Leicester City. I think I think that there should be a statue built of him very, very shortly. He can't go. Barnes, Barnes shows more potential than Clitchy. The only thing I would say about Ian Atchard, and, and you know, I, I put my hand up in the air and go, I wrote the guy off. There's touches that I've seen of him recently where I think to myself, wow, that really is very, very good. You, you know, sometimes with a goal yeah. scorer, they yeah. just get hot, don't they? Do you remember, do you remember that guy at uh, it was at Newcastle? Was it Cissé? Pepper, Pepper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and he I mean, scored every single time he played until the end of the season. Practically never scored again. So sometimes mm. strikers do catch fire. I do look at some of his play, some of his control, and I just think to myself, there's something there. But of those three, I'm afraid he's he would be the, the guy that would have to go. Just a quick one on him then. This buyback clause. So, so, so Killer, you, I, th- I think you said he... 40 million he joined for, is that right? As I understand it, yeah. Man City... Is that, is yeah, that what you have it, it is, Norm? It's, it's 40. And Man City always put a buyback clause now when they yeah. sell when they sell players. But I don't think for one second they're going to they're gonna activate it. Do you, no. What do you no. think, Norm? No? Well, I can't, well, I, I can't see that activate a buyout clause for Clashy. No chance. He's not, he's not done enough. He's, he's not... He, he he's wouldn't... Not, uh, the, my only thought was he wouldn't play for them... But you, there would be some shrewd business to say, right, we'll activate that. Lester, if you want him back, you've got to pay another ten million on top of that. You see what you mean? So, you, so you'd literally get him back to sell him. But yeah, the, the, yeah. But, but again, again, well, going back to what I said about Manchester City earlier, they just don't do business like that because that would just stink of of, of just horribleness, wouldn't it? And they don't, they don't, they don't operate like that. Look, Aguero's leaving. They are going to go top top table for a striker top top table yeah. you know they're going to come back with a Harry Kane aren't they or a Haaland 
or so, or, or somebody somebody of that ilk, or probably knowing them, somebody else you've never heard of. They'll pay about sixty million for him, and he'll turn into a superstar like most of the players that they that, that they buy. Kalichi, no, I'm afraid Pep would have one look at him and go, no, he's he's not quite ready. He's not he's not good enough for us. Go on then, guys. One word and on the basis that Leicester generally do sell one star each year, and we know. The pandemic has put a lot of clubs into financial trouble. And, you know, we have to be honest, the fact that we haven't spent the Maguire and Chilwell money particularly does suggest that there hasn't been tons of money around the training centre um, and the fact that King Power uh, run airports, airport uh, retail, which is probably one of the most difficult businesses to be in. I kind of think that we probably will sell a player again. It would be odd if this was the summer we didn't. One word answer from each of you. Of the nine players that we've discussed, Norm first, which would be the one you'd sell? Um, Matters. Killer? Inacho. Yeah, I'll go in. Oh, as well. I was, sorry. I, oh, no. I was thinking. Oh, no, 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 no. Your first answer is the only one we can accept. <laughs> sorry, I was, I was thinking about, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking of the Show, money. You've shown one of our best midfielders the door. Yes. door sorry, 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 Les. I was thinking about the money you'd get for them. That was that was all when you were talking well, yeah. about the finance. Yeah, and of course. We're going to discuss. We are going to discuss in a few weeks what we how we might say how we might do a, do a summer summer blueprint if it was all right, disastrously can, left can up I, to can us. Can I just add sort of another question? Who who mm-hmm. do you th- if if we are going to sell one player, who do you think it's going to be? Oh, you won't like my answer, so you better go to Norm. Well, I can I can I. Not, I can't, I'm going to dodge that a little bit because I don't think we're going to. I don't think we will sell anyone. The Rogers has come out and said basically our transfer. Well, from what I understand or have read, our transfer plan this year is not necessarily to be buying, but to be keeping what we've already got. So if we get in the Champions League, I don't think we sell anyone. If we don't, then but, but, every, knows. but every, every, we are still a football club that has demonstrated that every player has its price. And make no mistake about it, we've we've got fantastic, fantastic money for Harry Maguire. Let's just imagine the price is right, and and top turns around to Brendan and says, "Look, deal's done." Which player do you think we are most likely to 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 to, to sell, or at least have a, approaches for serious approaches for? Because actually, if you go through it, the sort of players you might have said pre-season, such as Madison, no chance. I would say JJ, no chance now. Indeed, he's been in and out, even though he's brilliant. Well, I, I tell I tell you, it is killer. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I think it is. What about you, Norm? I think possibly, but I think he's likely to sign a new contract. If we can extend it away from that, someone like Soyuncu's been interesting Liverpool, hasn't he? Um, interesting. Soyuncu's actually got COVID. That's why he missed the game yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. I didn't, didn't realise that. But um, yeah, I think I think Tielemans is the one that's really developed and proving to be the player that we thought he was when we when he first came to Leicester so that there, there is a there is a danger there very Definitely. rare to get a player of that age with that level of yes. experience that is a yeah. shoe in yeah. for most champions Definitely. league teams isn't it hopefully we'll be one of them and norm will be right yeah. on that point mm. right killer all of a sudden west ham crept up up behind us up and, and tapped us on the shoulder and said we're not going away and we're playing them next yeah Look, the only the only thing I would say is we've got a good record there, haven't we? But I would say, tell me if tell me if you think I'm wrong. There's there's a couple of real surprises in the Premier League this year. I'm really surprised at 
just how bad Liverpool have been because we know they they aren't that bad. And we know that better than anybody because they absolutely royally spanked us at Anfield. And I've also been, obviously, West Ham are a major surprise in terms of how well they've done. I remember first game of the season, West Ham, they played at home to Newcastle. I had a little bet on Newcastle. We sat in the in the pub and watched it and they got absolutely outplayed by, by Newcastle, seriously. And I remember turning around to my mate going, it's going to be a long, hard season for, for West Ham. <laughs> yeah, long, hard season. They could, they could nick a Champions League spot. We've got a good record there. It looks like it looks like they're going to win the game in hand that they've got, which is obviously currently being played now. It's going to be a hell of a game. I tell you that for nothing. Really good game. But Leicester City away from home, folks. That's all you have to say. Leicester City away from home. They made us look stupid at the King Power. I think I, I think we could do a job on them, though. Mm, I'm a bit... I'm a bit worried about it. No, really, only because of Lingard. What was... What a signing he's been on. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a bit worried as well. But I think ultimately it's just... I think the advantage we've got here is that a, a, a draw for us is not the end of the world. West Ham kind of need to be closing the gap. Therefore, they've got to really go for it. So I can um, I can see it playing into our, uh, our hands. And Lingard is a decent player. He's done well for West Ham, but... You know what? He's 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 a bit in and out as well. So, you know, like many players. So, you know what? That, that I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that we can uh, that we can do a job on them. And like Killer says, we have had a really good record against them at, um, at their place recently. So, you know, why not win that game? And we are very 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 close to Champions League yeah. football, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we really are. Let's uh, let's then come to the predictor with Trumpwell's IPA. One point for predicting the right result, and three if you get at the precise score. And Norm and Killer both went for unlikely wins against the <laughs> City, which in, honestly, I mean, a few days on just looks did, really did, amateur, did not guys. Saving win. my gloating high castle. <laughs> <laughs> I said two one to to them, so I nicked a point. Um, leaving Killer on 12, me on 19, and Norm on 22. So, starting with Norm, West Ham predictions. I love how you laugh at my constant predicting Leicester to win, and yet I am leading. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, therefore, as I'm leading, and I'm, I, I, I believe I will continue to lead, I'm going to, of course, predict sure. a Leicester win. Um, I think it will be. Um, it was going to be two. I've got to change my mind now. <laughs> I am actually going to suggest it'll be slightly easier than that for Leicester. I think we are going to do well here, and I think we're going to win three-one to put the hammers in their place and send us on the, with a with a really really fantastic chance over the games following that to secure Champions League football before a very difficult last three games. So three-one. Uh, yeah, I think I think there's going to be goals. Actually, uh, and I'm going to put pop Leicester to win three two. I've also got Ooh. Leicester to win three two. Two three two predictions about absolute humdinger yeah. of a game. Well, let's, hope, let's hope we're right. That would be a brilliant. And I, th- I do agree with you, Norm. I think it feels if we could win that game, I think that would put a lot of our a lot of our worries to bed, wouldn't it? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, it's Leicester City Podcast at gmail My thanks to Killer, my thanks to Norm, and we'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed the Leicester City Pubcast, please subscribe and tell everyone about it. If you hated the Leicester City Pubcast, please keep it to yourselves. See you next week.